When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Rachel Shackleton. <gasps> Hello. And Josh Brown. Hello. I'm going to go around the table from the right to the left. <laughs> you just like to me. mess this up. I have it in my head every single time where you're going to go. You always throw a curveball, just don't you? Get a little bit of a curveball. I did this yesterday on yesterday's podcast as well, just to, you know, keep things fresh. Madness. And interesting. So, uh, in the ever, I don't know, never-ending quest to find individually interesting podcast topics, I thought we'd talk about open-world games a little bit, um, because they're one of the most profitable, if not the most profitable franchises, oh, sorry, genres in gaming and uh, because Red Dead Redemption 2 was this massive talking point last year I kind of wanted to get your like guys' opinions on the open world genre its popularity where you see it going from here because it's kind of the genre of the generation in my mm. opinion you know yeah. like the biggest games this year have mostly been open world games we've seen established franchises move more towards that kind mm-hmm. of area and I think some have done it very well some have done it very bad and Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> is certainly a little bit of this a little bit of that what Red Dead Redemption um, changed everything in my opinion well it's okay so that's the thing in fact no Rich you should do your opening Gambit, what do you think? Oh, what makes you think You're I have an spot. opening gambit? You've got some gambits. Um, I guess I could open up with the really controversial one of being like, I love an open world game, mm. but are you not just a bit tired of them? Well, that's what I was, I was going to say, because like, if you have all those things together, because Rockstar's whole thing with Red Dead 2 was that they said, this is going to change open world gaming forever. And I don't think it did necessarily. Not in the same way as something like <laughs> Breath of the Wild did, um, or looks to potentially do it, but we can come back to that thing. Uh, in terms of open world fatigue, do you have that at all? Or are you not yet? Kind of. I had mm. it more a few years ago when everything was so homogenous, but now I think with the two examples you just mentioned there Breath of the Wild oddly enough ironically enough <laughs> breathe new life into the oh, genre guys oh, 2016 2016 you went there it did that and um, Red Dead Redemption 2 for me really reinvigorated my love for did it redeem worlds. it did it redeem your love? Did it? Yeah. Did it redeem it? I don't know. I don't know what kind of pun you're trying to make, Henry. <laughs> uh, it's a bit, it's a bit, a bit bad banter for this podcast. Not, I think. I think no, we're both I'm just kidding. No. Um, keep yeah, it going. For me, um, Red Dead Redemption Two was like this huge, huge anomaly because nobody has four thousand staffers to work on an open world game for <laughs> yes. eight years and creates this level of detail. And I don't think we'll see that replicated anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But between that and Breath of the Wild. I'm all back. I'm back So in. that's the thing, though. We're trying to drill down 
and what Red Dead 2 brought to the table, like, yes, they have an exorbitant amount of resources and staff and all that kind of thing. Um, but I, I still thought, because I mean, they basically, the way that it seemed when we were going into Red Dead 2, it seemed like it was going to be one giant story and you'd just been poking and prodded it wherever you want and it would somehow know where you were and it would just kind of, you would just get this story delivered to you even though you weren't necessarily chasing icons on a map. Yeah. And then you get it and you play it and you are chasing icons on a map. So I didn't think that it was as revolutionary as it could have been, but I'm looking for you guys to tell me I'm wrong. Rich had the first response there. Mm. What do you think? I don't that? actually, I haven't actually played a lot of Red Dead Redemption oh. 2. I finally okay. got it at Christmas time, mm-hmm. so um, I haven't played a lot. But um, yeah, from what I can tell, it's uh, it's the little details that it sort of added. We've had a few games in the past, like obviously GTA 5 mm-hmm. being one of them, that had all these little tiny details. Um, but Red Dead just sort of turned that up to 11. That's mm-hmm. that's my sort of first impressions is that's what it does. That's what it excels at. Yeah. But um, as far as, you know, revolutionizing the genre, I don't think it revolutionized. I think they're kind of like applying what you, the level of care and attention you would have to a linear experience to an entire open world. Like every, every, like township, every character, every piece of clothing, everything has this meticulous sense of detail to it, and they can only do that because they have the the like you know, the amount of money and resources to pour into it. Yeah, do you think that's the level? That's the revolution they were referring to. Yes, like, this level of definitely. Quality. I think yeah. everything sort of felt purposeful in that world. And I talked about it earlier on Chatty Faces, which will go up at the end of this week, that's which is point. like uh, yeah, they, they contextualize everything so everything has meaning, and it me- makes you want to do those menial tasks like mm. you just pie off in other games. For me, anyway, there's only a couple times pie off means to pie off. Means for our American audience. Sorry, Come this on. is the Johnny slang. That's not through. a worldwide thing. I don't think. I mean, Americans can let us know, but I don't I think no the idea. world was to pieing something off. You know, anyway. you know the phrase to like live in an open world, like yes. you live and breathe, like you really feel a part of that mm-hmm. world. That doesn't usually happen to me, and it only really has in Red Dead Redemption, The Witcher Three, and um, Breath of the Wild, where mm-hmm. you do feel a part of something larger, and you're not just following icons. I know there are a couple of times where you are just following icons <laughs> to get to the next waypoint, to get to the next waypoint, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like that when you're in the game. Like it feels like you might start to go to there but then you might get distracted by the stranger yes. who comes right. up or you might yes. see a shack in the distance then you investigate that mm-hmm. and that's part of the journey it's it's like Breath of the Wild for me it was never about the destination it was always about the journey oh, yeah. to that yeah, destination yeah, yeah. that was always far more compelling than me and I think Red Dead Redemption does the same thing in that the end mission is still good but it's sort of what you do in each there. individual's sort of own experience to get there that's more yeah. I think um, is that what you're going to no about? totally yeah you reminded me when I was playing through Breath of the Wild mm. back in March 2000 2017, which oh, seems so long oh, ago what now. Time that was. Uh, I literally nicknamed it Breath of the Distractions because I feel like that was so strong in that game. It was like you <laughs> want to go to from A to Z, but you would have to go through B and C and D. And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think way. it's worth saying with Breath of the Wild, the thing that I, I don't know if I would say that Breath of the Wild revolutionized open world gaming, but it did make me think that that whole open world was one giant level. Like it was so like easy to just drink that whole thing in. You would dip into like a shrine puzzle for a while. You'd go and get a Korok seed or yeah. whatever, and it, you just you just took all of it in, and you weren't really thinking about like oh I'm going from market to market or whatever mm-hmm. the only thing that I think is sort of like a checklist in Breath of the Wild is the uh, the towers that's like the only thing to sort of like itemize and go okay I yeah. need X number of towers I'm going to go pinpoint and tick them all off yeah. but apart from that you were just taking the whole thing in and like lots of people over the years have referred to Nintendo's guiding hand principle of like they guide you towards things without necessarily making you aware that that's what you're taking in and I thought Breath of the Wild was like the perfection of that there's one subtle difference in Breath of the Wild compared to other open world games and it's that it still has the kind of conventional towers that you climb, climb 
time to get a lay of the land. But it doesn't just automatically put things in your map. You have to like look and you have to do that yourself. Yeah. So you're like, oh, that looks kind of cool over there. I wonder what's like what's in there. Mm. So you put it on the map yourself, and then you find it either in five minutes or in ten hours time. Mm-hmm. So it's always you actively trying to seek something out, and not just the kind of game being like, here's ten things you can do. Uh, just go do them if you fancy. It. And that's what I thought Red Dead was going to get away from. Whereas, more. I mean, do you not think Red Dead's a lot more subtle about it? I mean, I haven't. Mm. I've very much been playing it linearly so far. Mm-hmm. But to know that it has all this under the surface, it makes me think it's a much more sort of subtle. How, yeah, I see, think it is. Like in places, yeah, because like, but that's the thing. Like, you do have you have blips on the mini map, you have icons, you have mission markers on the main map, and like, like I said, apart from the four main guardians that you chase down in Breath of the Wild, like you're you're just drinking that world in, in whichever direction you want, and you'll just stumble into random interactions with like enemy camps or like collectibles or whatever, and you just take it in as you go. You don't really think, okay, now I'm doing this part of this game. You just take it all in, and I kind of thought Red Dead was going to have more of that when they were talking about like this seamless interaction I was like oh all of it's just going to be served up to me but I'm not even going to realise where one part ends and the next thing mm-hmm. begins and they sometimes do that you'll kind of go from like a bar fight into a train robbery into a next thing and it's like okay this random dynamic interaction turned into a story mission and I didn't even realise yeah. it that stuff's great that's great yeah. yeah and I kind of thought they would do like way more of that and I guess I don't know I don't know if I think of Red Dead 2 as revolutionising open world gaming but I do think if you think of last year's stuff like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Just Cause 4 or even Spidey like um, they're still very formulaic like Spidey got for me was really tiring towards the end in terms of <laughs> in terms oh. of mopping up not the uh, story sorry the uh, the the open world stuff going like yeah, I want to do no, all I the thought. you know all the like I could call them bandit camps but like all the, all yeah. the enemy <laughs> things like what did you guys think of that like in terms of looking oh, back on that oh see don't ask me because I love Spider-Man PS4 mm-hmm. I flipping love it oh I love, I love it as an overall <laughs> game but like in terms um, of like those parts of it like did you enjoy like just kind of being like okay this is what um, I need to do and then this yeah, is yeah I've been breaking it up so I've been doing bits of the story and then going doing, doing some collectibles mm-hmm. and then opening some of the map then doing more stories okay. so um, yeah no well <laughs> this, I, I'm with you Rich because I really love yeah. that game. I think I will we, will we I debated this game, oh yeah of course yeah. I'm just saying but when I was doing the story missions with the side missions it didn't bother me I thought oh this is a nice distraction this is still really fun to do it was only when there were no story missions left and all I was left with was the side content mm-hmm. which is kind of fair enough but all I was left with was doing the same missions over and over again and I was kind of like have we not that's evolved past this at yeah, some point and I think thing. Red Dead Redemption has okay but with Spider-Man, yes. mm. you know, in theory, though, it is like it's an overall game, yes, but it's a story. Like once the story's done, there's a certain player base who are like, right, story's done, mm. brilliant, move on, let's mm. go get Red Dead or whatever. Whereas there's people like maybe myself and yourself who are like, must go catch all of the pigeons. <laughs> um, so you feel like you need to finish every single little thing, but really, it wasn't really made for the majority of people to want to do that. I'm with you. That's yes. really interesting. Because like, I, I am, I do think of myself as that type of person. Like, I, but I, I want to get through the story because I'm always terrified that spoilers are going to arrive. Oh, yeah, at my door you've got 20 other things to play as well. Yeah, <laughs> that, but like, I was like trying to, like, yeah, focus on one game. And something as big as Spidey, I'm like, this is my life until I get it finished. And I'll, I'll get through the main story, but I'll do side stuff alongside it. But if you did prioritize the main story like to a certain degree, then you're only left with that checkbox yeah, stuff afterwards. Yeah. That's the stuff that I think is fatiguing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that comes from the Ubisoft formula. Um, and it was the one part of Spidey that. I thought they played quite safe, um, yeah. considering that, like, well, it's not that the story was like massively like going in whole new directions or whatever, no, but like, well, you know, when you think about how an open world game is done, yeah. like, there's a certain formula, and again, like, it's associated with Ubisoft, but that formula was like definitely in Spidey, whereas it's definitely not in Zelda. Um, and another example I thought of from last year is 
experience God of War because um, mm-hmm. although God of War is an open world game kind of technically it has that massive open hub world when you start thinking about it it's more like authored levels but they just bolt on they're stitched onto that middle hub yeah. um, and that reminded me of Arkham City um, because you have Gotham it's open but every level is a separate bit you're jumping into and you Almost do that like whole level and go back it again. has the illusion of being open yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think that's kind of like the wider conversation is like do you think that because there's so many games that are open world now it's like the vast majority of AAA games have these massive open worlds uh, open levels anyway and it's like is the open world formula just gaming now and the, for, for a AAA game and like the way that like markers are like sort of spread across a huge environment is that just the standard I oh. like that style more that you mentioned there about like God of War mm. where it's sort of wide linear it's not a true sandbox open do. world you want Naughty Dog doing mm-hmm. exactly and I think a lot of developers are sort of going down that direction I think it kind of works more I'd rather have that than every game just be open world but not be able to do it as detailed mm. as an assassin even an assassin's creed now or a red dead redemption I, I, that middle sort of area i want to fall away because right. i don't want these kind of empty sandboxes that aren't really it's sort just of, space there's just space yeah. it's just i'd rather have a densely kind of wide linear game like god of war or uncharted <laughs> that i can sort of explore and get mm. kind of the feeling of adventure and yet still have it be authored and everything be significant yeah because that's i mean would you would you guys think of god of war as an open world game or because of the way that it's directed like it's more it is very linear yeah like you can't really branch the story or whatever like there are collectibles but it's all yeah i, I personally hub. wouldn't call it an open world mm. game i'd call it a, a linear story mm-hmm. yeah. in my opinion i think the way that it's like yeah the way that it handles its content it is like uh, hashtag content what we mm. do but the way that it's handled its mission design and everything is like <laughs> it is the illusion of an open world and like, yes. like to go back to the Naughty Dog point like Uncharted 4 even The Last of Us has these big like suburban areas and Uncharted has the, the massive bit where you go on safari for a bit but mm-hmm. it's still funneling you towards a, an eventual end yes. point um, and so I kind of like there's a couple of like quotes like Iji Inuma who worked on Breath of the Wild said that once you go open world you can't go back um, and, <laughs> yeah. and Hideo Kojima said that about Death Stranding as well with well with Phantom Pain yeah. and how Death Stranding would go um, so that's kind of the, the wider question is to like do we think that like going forward there'll just be a refinement of like that way of expanding like as the industry's got bigger levels get bigger games get bigger and the open world genre is a base like a base point or whatever or like well or you can apply it to the formula is an open world game defined by its formula or can things with open world elements be open world games my god that's a big question that is a huge question she is mate I think so but I think it also has a lot to do with where the industry is and what consumers and fans expect as well because you expect a lot of bang for your buck now you expect sort of big experiences Mm -hmm. and I think this allows developers to do that in a way like all the content and God of War is sort of important and mm. yet you do have that element of freedom even though if Rich you don't necessarily agree it's an open world game no I'm just saying it's like sort of uh-huh. uh, they've added those elements in I, I do think we're going to go down that route even even more what mm. do you think Scott well I mean yeah I think it's it's strange because like even though I wouldn't say Red Dead 2 revolutionized things it didn't make me think of the genre the same way that I do after I played Breath of the Wild I was like man this changes everything yeah. this yeah. whole open this whole map is a level oh my god and all that kind of thing um, but it did make me think that the Ubisoft's approach and the Spider-Man approach and the formulaic checkbox approach the collectibles and all that kind of thing that that stuff is outdated and that stuff makes me do that exact noise and go oh god I don't <laughs> know if I can thing is, though, mop I, all this stuff up variety is the spice of life and I feel like there's Three big games that we've just been talking about. Well, Ease. one was from 2017, but mm-hmm. the three basically Spider Man, God of War, and Red Dead. Mm-hmm. They're all very different, but I feel like they each had people. There, there's going to be someone who's like, this one's my favorite, this one's my mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah. Basically, where I'm going is, it may, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get to your point. Uh-huh. Uh, you may say it's outdated, but in my opinion, 
I liked Spider-Man style the most. Oh, really? I I love love a list. I (laughs) (laughs) I work at one culture. I love a list of things that I can just go and get get them all. But then I also love just sort of exploring Mm -hmm. as well and seeing where the wind takes me or Mm -hmm. seeing where the west takes me. I don't know. Um, There will always be a market for each of these types of games. And I feel like you're like, oh, is this where open world is going? Is Mm. this all we're going to get? No, because people like different kinds of games. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily one or the other, but I think in yeah, terms yeah. of like the way that the job, the industry moves forward, like they're yeah. trying to tick the box. Because obviously, open world games GTA are massively successful, and you can like shove secrets and Easter eggs and reasons to replay certain levels or areas or whatever into these massive games. And the bigger they are, the more that assumedly people will play them for a long time. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of curious like where the hell things go like from here. <laughs> this is going to sound potentially a bit cynical, but I think Ooh. open world oh games or a move towards open world kind of styles of games mm. allows developers to sort of it's a nice base to build extra content off as well because mm-hmm. obviously now when a game comes out it's never really just the game and then see you two years for the sequel it's like <laughs> he's an expansion pack he's some DLC or mm-hmm. whatever and I think having that base allows you to plug things in like it's safe of, kind of like a safe yeah. and then you can just bank it in like Horizon Zero Dawn had this really lush open world and mm-hmm. then you got the extra part in Frozen Wilds mm-hmm. even Lost Legacy to an extent even though it was a completely different thing that was sort of its own self-contained sandbox compared to Uncharted. yeah well that had like a, that massive hub bit of it where you could yeah. go around and solve those little puzzles and get it and collectibles and stuff um, I think when we were talking about like it's weird because I like, trying to get the delineation between like is it sheer scope and scale sorry is the sheer scope that's impressive or like the scale matters as well the other way around sorry is scale just impressive if it's a massive open world and then it's like how much detail is in that world itself because I remember when the first Just Cause was a thing yeah. and, and same with Assassin's Creed Odyssey it's like these maps are humongous and you kind of look at them and go like I'm never going to see it's every a turn off yeah exactly it's what ultimately stopped me from playing Assassin's Creed Origins right. for, for more than a few that's hours. what I was going to say is like yeah have you ever yeah. like come across an open world game where like it feels like it's too much and you're yeah. never going to see all of it for me yeah. that's kind of Just Cause 3 and I guess right. or like when that used to be such a badge of honor, like this this um, next game is three times bigger than the last game. Yeah. Uh, this, it's scary. It, now it's scary. It's and now, and now I look at that and think I'm never going to see even half of this. Right. Why? Why? And you've got so many. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back I'm not even day. that old, and yet I'm saying back in the day. <laughs> back in 2010, when these games were more of a rarity, you could just live off one for a long time. Mm. But now maybe it's just the nature of this job we do. There are so many big, huge sandbox games coming out that you just kind of have to accept. I'm never going to see all of this. I'm never going to get invested mm-hmm. as much as I want unless I hammer them all to death. So maybe I don't want the worlds to be as big. Maybe I want well, them, to that, be, them to be a bit smaller, that's a bit the more thing, detailed. Though, like Red Dead's world, I don't, I don't think it's not. A, it's not human. It's not um, dauntingly massive. Like once you start, you can go down to Saint Denis and then along to um, Blackwater and then mm-hmm. back up again, and you kind of get a good feel for the size of the map. And you start plotting out like, okay, I, it's two minutes to get to Valentine. It's whatever, and you sort of like take it all in, and you start. It's same way as those old GTA games. Like I love um, like GTA Three Vice City and San Andreas because you can map out those maps you get to learn them really well and I kind of think that's what for me that's what mm. Rockstar lost a bit with GTA 4 and 5 they're mm. too big especially mm. 5 no um, I agree that's, thank you that's fascinating mm. that's and for me they didn't like in GTA 3 and well, those, those original trilogy I would know the stunt ramps and the shortcuts and the alleyways and how everything connected and I could map it out <laughs> in my head and it's like like it's probably just amount of time spent in yeah. 4 and 5 yeah. even though I did put a lot of time into those games but they never clicked the same way this is incredibly fascinating to me right Good. because one of the points I was going to make was how 
how GTA 5 especially yes. was a city that I knew every street of. I didn't have to the look at the map. The, more or less the whole thing. I didn't. I obviously didn't know what was down every alley. But right. If I had to get to a point, I would never have to look at the map. I, I could. Uh, really? I would know which streets to take to get there the fastest. I was like improvising the whole thing. <laughs> so, man, because I thought that was one of its strengths compared uh, to something like Watch Dogs, which I put in a similar amount of time in the main campaign. If you threw me in a street in there, I would not know how to True. get to um, a specific waypoint or a specific structure. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Rockstar games especially, I think they do that so well. Very and well I, and I would designed, yeah. argue yeah. that they didn't lose it by going well, that bit bigger. The thing with that is, and that's more of a specific thing for like um, like like uh, city-based open world games, yeah. is that Watch Dogs is, is trying to be a one-to-one recreation of um, Florida, um, San Francisco. San Francisco yeah. Whereas uh, with GTA, they always take liberties with it and like, like they crunch different landmarks together and stuff and that kind of gets around that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I guess in terms of games like being too big, like do you have that now where it's like, where, where's it going to stop? Like, do you think that Red Dead is a nice mix of, I, mean, I am actually going to get the most out of this game kind of thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. 
I think so. Um, I play a lot of MMOs, so I'm mm. kind of used to games being large. You're used to an entire world on the other side of the screen. Um, but then when I'm getting into an MMO, I sort of know, like, you know, this is gonna, this is a massive mm-hmm. investment. Whereas with a console game, I'm sort of in a phase at the minute where I'm like, uh, I, I'm into smaller <laughs> games at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe why I haven't done that much in Red Dead. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> uh, but um, I think it's worth... Um, it's intimidating, it is. Yeah, that's the thing. And, yeah. and there was a quote from, uh, it was one of the guys that's working on uh, Cyberpunk 2077, said that they've made a whole point of... Of, uh, all of Cyberpunk being uh, hand-designed, none of it's procedural, um, because if you delve into like the dev side of making a lot of open-world games, they'll use programs like Speedtree, which just populates things with lots of like fauna and whatever, uh, or flora, sorry, and um, flora, fauna, <laughs> fauna and flora. Yes, uh, but they'll Hi. do things to generate these sort of land masses. And if you look into Ubisoft, like they have different like landscape generation um, like algorithms and programs that they use. It's like Steep, the snowboarding game, was like an offshoot of one of the other Far Cries that became a thing, oh. whatever. But they figure out different <laughs> ways of doing these huge uh, worlds, and I kind of think it's interesting looking at like you know teams trying to do handcrafted open worlds like there's su- there's such a massive thing but if like if the discerning gamer is looking for a certain level of quality and detail in that massive expanse yeah then sheer expanse and space itself is never going to be enough i think that's why the fatigue is sort of worn off a bit because mm. i think mod developers are really trying to push for that now even ubisoft games themselves like you said the recent assassin's creed for far- for me it was far cry far cry right. 5 even though i didn't love that game i loved being in that world and like the way that sort of big level was designed mm-hmm. was really fascinating to me i thought they made the most even though that was a huge game they kind of made the most of the space and even though some of the activities might have been similar it was still a huge joy to sort of explore it and discover this environmental storytelling and Mm -hmm. sort of have unique places to kind of visit what i don't like about open world games is when the sort of tre- like different levels. I right. hate the idea of graduating <laughs> from one area to another and then never going back and revisiting oh, that mean. place. Like it just just give me levels then. Oh, I don't need it to be one <laughs> connected thing. Well, that kind of is the wide linear thing, but that, yeah. that's them trying to retain the hand on kind of quality. If it's yeah. part of a story and you're like, oh, you've been banished from like, yeah. Horizon. Yeah, yeah. So many games lie about that as well. Where they're just like, like, you do this last mission, you'll not get to come back, and you always get to come back. <laughs> like that, that was like a thing at the end of Horizon. It was like make sure that when you go into this, I still haven't finished it. So good. I you still haven't finished it. I will finish it. So I rounded up a few games uh, for the rest of 2019, and I think the general question I was going to ask, which, as I say these games, is whether you guys think that they'll offer something new to the open world formula, or whether you think they'll play by the formula. Mm-hmm. So first up is Days Gone. I think this is entirely formulaic. Ooh, yeah, I'm really worried <laughs> yeah. about this one. Not saying that the formulaic approach is bad, it's very mm-hmm. bankable, and, it, like, and like Rachel was saying, if you have an itemized list of stuff to do, that makes it way easier to get bang for your buck. People you know, like that. Yeah, you know exactly mm-hmm. where to go. Uh, Rich, what are your thoughts on Days Gone? Uh, I have I have no feelings towards it. To I mean, it would be nice. To, oh, same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be nice to roll around in a motorbike, but I just I don't know. I think it's I think it's just the. I can't really think about Days Gone. I think I'm just so sick of, of zombies. Mm. Um, saying that, though, Last of Us 2. Is that Last on, of Us 2? I mean, list? yeah, clickers and all that. Oh, that on Last of Us got way more of a character focus <laughs> than uh, Days Gone with its zombie bashing. You I know what? Not to derail this before we've even started it, it, but The Last of Us 2, that's an interesting one for me because Why how... how far they got to push that yeah like Naughty Dog over the past few releases Mm -hmm. have pushed the wide linear thing quite far and I think one of the biggest things people enjoyed about The Last of Us 1 apart from the great story was those moments of downtime where you could explore a whole kind of like neighborhood or a couple streets Mm -hmm. of a neighborhood and see what happened so I think with The Last of Us 2 we're going to see that in my opinion sort of expanded upon and that might be even close to an open world game Mm -hmm. as Naughty Dog has ever done well that was kind of another thing another permutation of like where do open world games go from here if they are going to leave the formulaic stuff behind or try and minimize 
monetize it a bit, then you get stuff like what Naughty Dog were trying to do in The Last of Us, like that suburban area, like I mentioned, like they do just take the reins off for a bit and just go, okay, go where, go wherever you want, oh, and eventually, yeah. you know, go down the road eventually. Yeah. But you have a whole bunch of houses and there's all these different stories, and like that's the wide linear thing that they then put in Uncharted. And so like that makes me think that the future of open world is maybe to just accept that it's a natural part of AAA games, and then you see what else you can do with it. Mm -hmm. And so like I'm kind of curious with that. Um, the complete opposite <laughs> is uh, Anthem, which I think will be another sort of fun Anthem for me. is open world, right? Yes, but I mean yeah. it'll be very formulaic. I mean oh, it'll I be see. very uh, list based, which might be fine. Mm -hmm. I mean it's pretty much just going to be a, a, a look grind the simulator, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't know. That's the kind of game I feel like the strength of Anthem is going to be in its exploration. So mm. fly, Actually, flying around, guys. Flying around does look fun. You know, it's never yeah. not fun. When was the last game that had like free form flying in an open world? No game is like ever other than GTA, you can just grab a plane. Uh, How did anything just let you no. take off and fly? That was one of the only things that I liked about the Spider, uh, sorry, the Superman uh, game, the movie tie-in, but the one with um, what's his job, Brandon, thinking, Ralph. Brandon Ralph. Um, the game was bad, but like you could just kick off the ground and fly, and you just watch Metropolis go like tiny below you, and I was like, this is just what it's like. I remember being booting up um, DC Universe Online and doing the same yeah. thing and being blown away, like I can fly across the city. <laughs> Have we just, their, their whole marketing spiel for Anthem should have just been like do you like Superman do you like flying, <laughs> do you like flying? because yeah. that with a robot and like yeah I mean like the whole idea of like flying in an open world and just kicking off the ground and exploring like the vertical as well as the horizontal that's something else that uh, is in Cyberpunk they said they developed a whole city as well oh um, god lots it's of buildings good, isn't it because um, they said that like they were trying to make comparisons to the size of the world in The Witcher and he said it was the um, CDPR said it was very hard to compare the two because The Witcher is very horizontal whereas Cyberpunk's going to be very vertical mm. because you have a very massive city that just stretches way up into the clouds I'm a huge fan yeah. of that. Um, but again, it, it sort of makes me, it, it brings everything in. It's like, how much is going to be authored? How are they going to deliver the content to you? Are you going to be chasing yeah. mission markers? Blah, blah, blah. Well, we'll thing, see. I'm not too keen on Anthem, to be honest, but the few trailers I have watched, when they go up into the air or they go under the water, mm. there is a great sense of kind of verticality to that world that I, I really hope is exploited. Underwater thrusters are drastically underused in gaming, oh, and I want more. Yeah. You know that bit when he goes underwater and he's like technically using yeah. boosters, but he's underwater? Yeah, that's awesome. What is that? I mean, oh, Iron Man does it. Just yeah. give me more you of know that. Who else did it. Go on. The Marines in Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 3 and 4. No you know, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that makes it the best game of all time, but I it's mean, pretty good. Yeah, I guess you can still do some of that in Black Ops 4. I just, I honestly can't think of enough underwater thrusters, and I miss them. I want more of them, even though I never really had them. According can to we title this reason. podcast that, please? No. I miss underwater thrusters. No, 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 I'll click on that. We got I'll we, click on it. I mean, there's intrigue. There is intrigue. <laughs> uh, the next game I have down is The Division 2, which, again, I mean, that's, that's Ubisoft, so I don't think they'll be changing a whole lot. But, but the world of The Division 1 was so good. That the was world. It. the world of the Division One, like walking around in that kind of snowy, New York, perpetual it? Black Friday <laughs> in New York. York. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was. It just... was like a post-apocalyptic New York where the whole point, uh, the whole thing was that a whole bunch of terrorists had poisoned money, so that everyone who went to Black Friday suffered. Which is a nice little comment on uh, consumerism. And so the whole everyone was all ravaged, and then street gangs took over. Yes. And so it was a nice idea. And when me and Jules played it, I liked that they sort of fleshed out their enemy types and stuff. Um, but in terms of hoovering up that whole open world, I don't think it'll be a siphoned off, linear, authored level. I think it'll be one massive thing, mm -hmm. and occasionally you'll, you know, have random firefights and stuff. Yeah, so I'll be Sounds amazed if they, right? yeah, I'll be amazed if Ubisoft are the ones to sort of provide anything new. I quite like that. Even though, even even then, though, in the first one, you did have that big open world, but then when you went into a mission or at least mm. some missions, yeah, you would often go into kind of a self-contained yeah. little area that you couldn't access. A one yeah, of them, otherwise, a one of them. What do you think of uh, the Division Two, Rich? Are you going to be listing it up? <laughs> the the listing. <laughs> 
That's the best I can do with that. I don't know. I haven't really looked into <laughs> Division too much. I, I know that Ubisoft are promising that it's going to fix some mistakes mm. that one made. So maybe I would love a I would I would love something to completely change it up and, and to make me interested in it. But at the minute, it doesn't look like it's going to be. I'm curious as to whether they fixed the uh, the fact that everyone uh, could queue behind each other. Because if you guys saw the thing I on did. launch day, of oh, the I was game, there. You were in the queue. I was there. I like, nice quality. It's just yeah, everyone we're online. <laughs> everyone online just waiting so they can sign their little papers. It was like a queue of like 20, uh, 20 players what and one guy doing jumping cute. jacks uh, so you couldn't get through the door. <laughs> it was a lovely thing. Uh, the next one I got mm. down is Rage 2 uh, which assumedly it's kind of got a big vehicle focus but I would I would assume that they have to have more authored sort of levels that you can sort of beam into whether it's instance or whatever Ooh. because the combat is very doom. Well the, the original had those had that open world but mm. then when you went into missions they were practically just levels but yeah. I don't I don't know are they going to do that for this one because it's Avalanche Studios I guess they're the mm. kind of main developer on it and they did Mad Max where yeah. you didn't really have those levels but if you if you got out of the car, say you were playing, because you play Mad Max, Rich? You, a bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. So even, even that on Just Cause or whatever, you get out of a car in an open world game, but it plays like Doom. Like that's, I mean, that's awesome. fun, I mean, yeah. right? Like exploring an open world in that engine, like that's kind of <laughs> weird. It's very like it's very up close and visceral kind of combat. If you start spreading that across an open world, I don't even know if it works. Yeah, I suppose you have right. to kind of have these more like specific levels mm. and way that the enemy, ways that the enemies come at you and stuff. Yeah. I think an open world Doom is both fascinating and weird. Random encounters, though, I guess. Mm. But you need some kind of thing to draw all together, don't you? Yeah. Perhaps. Like, you could still kind of have an open... I don't know, you, you can't really. Can, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking myself out of it. I'm hoping that's the thing. I assume yeah. you use the vehicle to get from place to place and they have well-designed areas wherever you get to. Is mm. there any gameplay like trailer out for yes. Rage yeah. 2? I well, they've that. got the, the compilation stuff, so they sort of just like blurred it all together. But in terms of like the flow of that game, like I wonder how much they'll fall back yeah. on formulaic aspects Again, of the world. They, they kind of pulled it off on Mad Max, though, because mm. when you were just out in the desert, you didn't have much ammo, so you couldn't use guns, and you True. were that game was very much focused around the melee combat. So they had to kind of do it there you either had the vehicle combat mm. or you had to get out and just punch fools to death but then you, you were kind of just driving from love the combat mini sa- yeah mini sandbox to mini sandbox and then engaging in these kind of they weren't levels but they were intricately detailed to make the most of that combat system yeah. so I can see this doing the same thing I would hope so I think that they'll have to do a, like I said something they have to offer you something I don't I don't know how much I think the Doom combat works if you don't have mm. an authored sense of like level design um, some of the other ones I had down were like Crackdown 3 which is like Surely, yeah, surely, surely that is going to be just the game that invented one, fun collectibles. That is one yeah. big hub. That's going to be so old school. I just feel yeah, be so just absolutely soaked in like random gems to go and pick up. Like, you know what? Yeah, give me the orbs. Yeah, I want the orbs. orbs. Okay. <laughs> Agents of Mayhem, if that was what it was called, didn't, yes, it was. didn't scratch that itch. And I want the orb itch scratch. I also want that. I mean, I, kind of, I was reading something online that broke down the reason the orbs were so satisfying is because every time you went into one, it was like a little mini firework display, like popped yeah. open. And that pop was so satisfying. Yeah, it was. And I got lost in a whole thread of people talking about the most satisfying loot box opens, <laughs> as to which Overwatch was in there. And the uh, Rainbow Six Siege, because you got the little, the oh, little packets. That's, that's, that's honestly the dirt Ooh. worst, in my opinion. Worse? Yeah, because it takes ages to unlock. Then you rip it up, and it's like, boom. Should like open a little? Little vacuum no, I bags. don't, Scott. Why I not, really don't. Don't you dare compare my sacred orbs to loot boxes. But I'm not, things. but I'm just saying if you're going to talk about satisfaction of opening things, opening a Ziploc bag is fun. Rich, stop us. Please. Or agree with me. I, no, or I, me. Uh, <laughs> Ziploc bags. I can't. All the way. Do you know what it's really good, though? Just Go collectibles on. in general. Can we, can we talk about collectibles somewhere? See, that's the thing. Put, well, yeah, I think I want to think. That thing puts me off sometimes because that's the thing that makes me go, I'm never going to see all these. Mm. Just play the Spyro remake. 
I did, but I didn't get all the gems. Oh. I didn't. I just didn't do it. I'm playing through the Sly Cooper trilogy at the minute because oh. we mentioned it on the podcast the other day, and uh, and that's got a whole lot of bottles that you collect to open a special vault, and then Bentley's all like, "You need Satisfying. to open the thing," and I'm like, "I'm never going to do that, Bentley, mate. I'm just going <laughs> to. I want to. I just want the treasure." Crackdown three is not for you. It's not. I don't think. Although I want to get some orbs. Uh, let's leap into Metro Exodus because having played a little bit of that and looked at it online, it is an open world game like 2033, like Last Light, but right. like in terms of you've got open world elements, but okay. it's still it's no, kind of a wide linear thing. So I guess in terms of the company it's keeping here, it stands out a bit because you do have more of a hands-on authored approach, but it's kind of got these massive levels or whatever. Yeah. I get so. the feeling Metro is going to be very story-focused. Mm. It's just going to be like... Maybe. It's very law heavy as well. Yeah. Um, they've got, yeah, they've got, they need to paint a whole picture of the, the state of the world kind of thing. And plus, I kind of hope that this does for Metro what The Witcher did. Sorry, what uh, Witcher 3 did for The Witcher. Because you've just got so many people are interested in this one and the graphic looks gorgeous and all that. Gets kind of people into it. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. And so but I think that means that they'll have to then take the time to deliver the story and say what Artyom's been up to across the last two games and stuff. Um, but when me and Jules played it, a lot of the combat encounters were like you come up to a big open expanse with buildings and whatever. And then it was kind of just like a combat sandbox, kind of like Last of Us. Mm. It was like enemies with guns are in here somewhere and depending on if you take them out stealthily or you go down a certain route or you hide yourself or whatever yeah. that triggers them in different ways um, which again I think that's that's kind of like an open world approach but you're sort of compartmentalising it and I quite like that yeah it's kind of like what Crisis and I guess the original mm. Far Cry used to do where mm-hmm. you, you would have this sort of big combat encounter and you would just make your own way through it I yeah. quite like that especially for games like Metro which are very law heavy story heavy and they don't in the Metro games you cover quite a lot of ground and it's difficult to get from place to place obviously mm. you have to use the Metros because the top world is like it will kill you to death it will um, so <laughs> I'll, way. yeah I'll, I like that with by the sounds of it Metro Exodus is sort of keeping the threat of the world alive yes. by not allowing you to just go wherever you want they do have that they have big monsters and then they have the whole like but man it's the real enemy like the standard sort yeah. of go to um, so the, the last game that I have on here which uh, could be the most experimental of the lot is Death Stranding and that's not necessarily a 2019 game but that being is, the, it's oh. so up in the air what do we even expect to see from Death Stranding this is going to be all over the place it's going to be bad <laughs> Heck, crazy. YouTube safe crazy um, yeah I mean the, the only thing that Kojima put out there was that his general mandate his general mentality and philosophy for the game was uh, sticks and ropes he said that life is sticks and ropes and you either have ropes that bring things together bring people together bring communities together or you have a stick which bats them away yeah. and so he said that you can apply that to multiplayer gaming you can apply that to the philosophies that he's had late in his past games and characters as well what? So it's going to have an element of choice. <laughs> I think at the beginning it'll be like rope or stick, and then that'll literally be it. Um, but assumedly, like he's got—I mean, who the hell even knows? But like, if you have followed the rumors online, it seems like he's trying to get other players to be dynamically plugged into other people's sessions, kind of like Souls. Uh, and so they were like—I don't might as well mention Souls again. But um, yeah, different players potentially. I was really or struggling not to mention Souls, by the way, when you were talking about um, like kind of interconnected worlds that you mm. can yeah. travel through however you want. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's the thing, Dark Souls. So- one, in my yeah. opinion, that kind of world design is my bag, baby. Right. I just need it in my life. I don't like... I did, yeah, I, did, I like... I mentioned Dark Souls on nearly every podcast. I did almost get away with a whole week of not mentioning it, but... Um, that Dark Souls fits. is an open world game. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Oh my say. God, it yeah. is. Yeah, but that, that also fits, like, everything that we just said. Like, it's kind of... It's authored. Like, you can tell that they took their time. I don't think there were any procedurally generated elements in it. I don't think the devs just, like, no, hit a button and let it populate. I think they designed every single bit of it, but you're free to go wherever you want, and you can climb, well, well, and you can take yeah, your time. Well, when 
you have unlock- unlockables, but to even to get there, you can explore. Um, very exploration-heavy, but it's also very focused. Is Dark Souls the future of the industry, is what I'm saying. Well, I, it's, no. it's not, Many and do you know tried. why? Why not? Because Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 didn't even follow like, the same route, really. <laughs> that was didn't have the same interconnected. No, 3 went back to the interconnected world. It was 2 that ditched it. Ah, but even then, ah. 3 had the sort of first yeah, kind of hub world sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? More linear than 1. I guess yeah. Demons, though. Like, Demons and 2 both had, like, the... Yeah, either way, anyway. they had, like, the whole world. <laughs> Death Stranding. Death Stranding, though, yeah, I... Yes, I kind of think that, um, I mean, obviously coming out of Phantom Pain, if I go off what Kojima already said about, like, once you've experienced open world game design, it's hard to go back. Assumedly, and we've already seen, like, some gameplay footage, Death Stranding is this massive exploration heavy. You're meant to be a courier, mm-hmm. couriering things from Carrying a wee place. baby. Aye, yeah, wee a wee babs and a whole bunch of different, like, crates and stuff. So I really how... hope it's I hope it's totally mental. I hope it's <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't follow any gameplay tropes. I hope it's completely random and amazing. How uh, do we just if you you're gonna you've never you don't watch a trailer from here till till release date. You sit down and I've you seen turn the, on the weird ones. The, the yes, yeah, yeah. Now you have, but you don't watch anything else. You okay. turn it on. Death Stranding boots up. What kind of game is it? Is it a third person shooter? It starts off with a very linear intro. And yes. You're playing through Norman's life, and okay. then everything goes to hell. And you wake up in some kind of fever dream, and you can just do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> just let you go walk with the like, walking dead. They're like, Norman, want. we want you to deliver this baby, but you can if you want. Go and find this tentacle monster over there <laughs> if you want. And Troy to. Baker's in there somewhere. Because yeah, I should design games. I mean, you know, I almost guarantee if we put a bet on now, you'll not be that far off because the, so far what we've seen has been ridiculous. Yeah. Tentacle monsters. Do you think it'll be very formula like open world or honestly, something I, else? I, I, I have no idea what this game's going to be, and I kind of don't want to know. I it's love exciting. the mystery of it. Open world, though. We do know it's open world, yeah, ish, ish yeah. But I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like Phantom Pain's open world, which is kind of crazy to me because I actually liked it. Apparently, Who are these people because there's lots of open space in, in it, mm. and you're essentially just kind of riding over this desert or whatever to oh, get to mean. kind of like, like these, the map itself, yeah, the, not map the fact that it was open world. Yes, yes, yes the map yes, itself, yes, yes. which I kind of I would get. Totally that. But I, I, I like that. I like the downtime. I it don't like a bit it more when real, didn't it? Like yeah, sort of. Yeah, I don't like it when everything is just full and all the time. Sometimes you need the downtime and the kind of time for. Reflection I, between these big. Red Dead has it's that. True. Red Dead does, Red Dead does that really well, and they found a way in between mission markers to give you the random encounters where you go hunting or you do whatever. Yeah. In Metal Gear, I was just like going to the map and dropping in where I need to go, yeah. and then zoom out and drop back in over here. I was never exploring very much. Um, I guess that's why they give you the horse and stuff. But yeah, I guess I would totally back that. I don't know if Kojima's. I mean, obviously it was his first crack at an open world, so assumedly mm-hmm. him and the rest of the team at uh, Kojima Productions can do something amazing with the alien weird tentacle e, madness that is. What do strong. you think it's going to be like? Exactly. You guys can let us know what you think down. In the comments below or find us on social media this has been the what culture gaming podcast i've been your host scott taylor joined by josh brown hello uh, you, you changed <laughs> it again scott and also joined by rachel shackleton thank you for listening i'll catch you guys next time bye, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.